0: In the early days of the internet, radical libertarians were scattered, lonely, and faceless. Without direction, they resigned to scour the web, sifting through content providers in a wasteland plagued by YouTube demonetization, Facebook jail, and covert internet censorship. But then, in 2017, the Libertarian Union was formed. Finally, the average Joe Libertarian could find a thriving community of independent podcasters and content providers, all in one convenient location. At Libertarian Union, we'll always have the latest news, interviews, discussions, and even movie reviews. With hundreds of episodes and more added all the time, you'll always find something fresh at libertarianunion.com. Hey everyone, it's Daniel and Robert, the Last Nighters. We are back at it again doing Deadpool, and this is episode 20 of the show, lastnighters.com slash 20. You can find the show notes and more, and also special information for everyone. We just launched the podcast, officially podcast stream, at anchor, anchor.fm slash lastnighters. It is now live on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever podcasts are sold for $0. How you doing, Robert?
1: I'm doing great. Yeah, so subscribe, share. Do what you can, get the word out, appreciate it. And welcome to another episode of The Last Nighters, everybody. We're going to do Deadpool, Captain Deadpool, in your face.
0: Phrasing, we're going to do Deadpool. All right, so Deadpool Google information. came out 2016, fantasy science fiction film, hour 49 minutes, 8 out of 10 on IMDb, 83% Rotten Tomatoes, 65% Metacritic, but 93% of Google users like it. Here's the description. Wade Wilson, played by Ryan Reynolds, is a former Special Forces operative who now works as a mercenary. His world comes crashing down when evil scientist Ajax, played by Ed Screen, tortures, disfigures, and transforms him into Deadpool. The rogue experiment leaves Deadpool with accelerated healing powers and a twisted sense of humor. With help from mutant allies Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead, Deadpool uses his new skills to hunt down the man who nearly destroyed his life. Came out February 12, 2016. Director Tim Miller, box office, $783 million on a budget of $58 million. What do you think?
1: I I think one umbrage point with their dumb description. Uh, Otherwise, it's fairly accurate. Um, they seem to imply that the process that transformed him into Deadpool also gave him super funny, sardonic sense of humor, which is not true. He was funny beforehand. He's funny afterwards. He just didn't lose his sense of humor from the transformation process that was super-duper painful, whereas even Ajax says no sense of humor escapes this facility. And he's like, oh, we'll see about that. And he was right. He kept his sense of humor throughout the whole movie, as he would have to if this was going to be a Deadpool movie. I'm curious to see what uh, Daniel, Mr. Normie over here, because you see, ladies and germs, I am kind of like the superhero comic book nerd geek guy. Um, I'm the go-to for all the comic book-ish, and Deadpool was character. See, I had like so many issues of his first appearance not because I bought them all because I'm super excited about this Deadpool character because basically Rob Liefeld back in the day, not the greatest storyteller, not the greatest artist. Fairly indicative of the 90s, made a lot of ridiculous characters, and there are plenty of comments and articles and videos about said characters. But I happened to be working at a little place called KB Toys at the time, and we were, had a promotion. We were giving away copy of x-force number one and two i believe and there were a whole bunch of issues left over and we were either going to throw them away or just take them and i just took them so i got all these issues at the deadpool first appearance in it. pretty stoked they're probably not worth anything but doesn't matter who cares just kind of a fun little fan, fan anecdote
0: they, they might be worth something now you know it's like uh, he's a Maybe. big deal he's a pretty big deal
1: all right big deal what's going on so what did you think of this movie normie not being a superhero guy not really getting into this stuff. Uh, did you know of the su- the Deadpool character before this? Because really, when Rob Liefeld invented this Deadpool character, he was really not what he is now. He was just kind of like this mercenary in like this Spider-Man costume. And subsequent um, creators kind of took him and turned him into the character that we know today and really turned him into popular. But Liefeld is credited with being the original creator. So did you know of this character? Did you like this movie, Daniel?
0: I would say I had a vague awareness of Deadpool as a comic book character from back in the day. Um, but prior to seeing the movie, I was not super familiar with it other than what I'd heard from about the movie or from the viral, or what do you call that, astroturfed marketing campaign <laughs> that they did to kind of promote it.
1: Oh, yeah. This is one of the best, most genius marketing campaigns in the history of movies to promote this movie. All kinds. Of, it came out right around um, Valentine's Day. So there are all kinds of billboards and just funny things everywhere that were all promoting this movie. And um, boy, did they succeed.
0: Yeah. Now, weren't I some know of them like, like promos for, for television shows and then he would show up in the promo for a television show? You know, like because NBC will have like Thursday night, you know, whatever show is popular now and show a little clip of it. And, sure. And I think it, there was
1: some of that. Yeah. Like, like subversive, like you're not expecting it to be a Deadpool ad and then it turns into a
0: Deadpool ad for sure. Right. Yeah. Because it's all about breaking the fourth wall. That's like right. A Deadpool character. Deadpool character is self-aware. Now, I, I recall that he was in the Wolverine Origins movie, I think, and his mouth was sewn shut. And so he didn't really have any lines or anything and also did not um, break that wall. Is that, does that, yeah, sound about right? that is that about right?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, he appeared as like this weird mutant version of himself in the movie. Now, Ryan Reynolds was against it, but as I recall... They said, well, basically you either do this or we'll just get somebody else to do it. And he was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. But this is wrong and no one's going to like this. And boy, was he right. And then they come out with a real Deadpool movie and they make fun of all his past stuff, which is really, really enjoyable for me. Making fun of his Green Lantern, making fun of the old Deadpool. There's even a a mouth-sewn shut line in the movie where he's like, oh, nobody's going to like that. He shouldn't do that. (laughs) Oh, well, there's all, all kinds of fun stuff. And then he, you know, pokes fun at himself for saying, you know, Ryan Reynolds hasn't gotten this far on his acting ability. Uh, just all kinds of self-referential stuff that, um, you know, if you're you're into the meta humor, which I think uh, Deadpool does it probably better than most. Um, it's just real good, man, real good.
0: Yeah, and I, I know they made fun of Hugh Jackman a fair amount in this one as well, which is pretty funny.
1: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And they're actually, I believe, pretty good friends in real life, so. I think he, uh, he enjoyed it all, too.
0: All right. So so back to the, you know, was I super aware of him? No, but but it was that viral marketing campaign that really made me aware of his um, sarcasm and sardonic wit. And I think that that is what I think of as Ryan Reynolds as a movie actor. Like he was in, I want to call it uh, Waiting. Was that the one where he was like a cashier at like a Costco type store? And he was like very funny and witty and rude. And then he was also in Van Wilder, I want to say, like National Lampoon type thing, where he's yeah, you're, you're the same guy, right? Yeah, he he's actually
1: waiting was actually he was like a, a manager of a, like a TJ Fridays or something like that. But yeah, I know what you're saying. He he doesn't really have a whole ton of range. He's done a fair variety of things, but you wouldn't say that he's like an actor who disappears into his roles, a la, you know, Matt Damon, who's just a, a wizard of some kind. <laughs>
0: Oh, man, yeah, go, go back to uh, some of the pre-show content for us making fun of Matt Damon. But, uh, but Reynolds, I mean, now that I'm aware of who Deadpool as a character is and the, the history, no one else could have played him. Like, it's Ryan Reynolds or Bust.
1: Yeah, and this movie was a passion project. I don't know if you know this or not, but this was a passion project of his. There was some leaked fan footage, or at least they claim it was fan footage. It was, it was actually pretty dang good CGI of essentially the, the, um, the highway fight of them, of Deadpool in the car with a little bit of book ending. And the fans saw that, and they were like, well, just do that. That looks fantastic. Just, just make a movie you know, with that in it. And um, apparently it was some internal stuff that I, I guess Reynolds and his producers got together and they made. And then it got turned down by Fox, and then Reynolds released it, or leaked it. And then there was such an overwhelming fan response that Fox was like, oh, okay, let's just go ahead and make this. And then they still hardly gave them any money million for a movie that looks this good is a really paltry sum. I think you would agree that it looks pretty damn good for only $54 million compared to some of the bigger budget movies.
0: I do have some comment on that, actually.
1: Give me some comments on it then, Daniel.
0: All right, so I agree it does look good, but it also feels very small, the movie. There's only like two or three real set pieces going on here, and it's part of how the narrative kind of bends over itself, You know, like in the Pulp Fiction-y, Memento kind of way where the story weaves within its own self so that it, it extends a two-hour movie, but it's really only like three or four sets. And yeah, in a way, it, it makes it feel like a very insular movie. Like the the universe does not feel big to me, but I know there were nods to the Avengers, X-Men, etc., like periphery type stuff. So someone who's familiar with the source material and the, and the overall scope of things would get a sense of it being bigger than that, but as an isolated individual movie even though it stands alone it still feels like they were they were budgeting very carefully like okay we've got so much money we can throw out this thing we're a little bit under budgeted understaffed bureaucratic style so let's make the most of it and i think they succeeded i, I think that it, it works pretty well but it it felt to me like oh they they are on the bridge and then this heli helicarrier and like a bar scene and some street scenes and that's it
1: yep you've perfectly <laughs> described the movie you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, I think they just, you know, they had a budget, what they wanted to do. And they, I believe, I as I recall, they had to cut two different um, big budget, like, action scenes when they were making this movie because they just didn't have the money for it. So, yeah, you're right. It does feel kind of small. But, you know, it's it's basically your superhero origin story. And I would rather that it be, I mean, I don't know, rather. I, I think they did a really good job for what they, for what they had. So, I, In fact, okay, I'll say it this way. I would rather they tell a singular cohesive story than in the typical Marvel fashion of, hey, we're going to tell a story about Thor. Oh, remember Doctor Strange? Here's Doctor Strange. Remember Doctor Strange? He's in this movie too for some reason. Oh, remember Tony Stark? We got Tony Stark too. He's in this movie too. You know Spider-Man? He loves Spider-Man. He's in this movie too for like two seconds. Oh, you know, come on. It's, it's, it's a whole lot of fan service in a lot of those movies, and I'm not complaining. I mean, those Marvel movies are fantastic for the most part, but they do kind of remind you over and over again, like, hey, what else do we got? Now, part of that you could say, hey, this makes sense for the story. It would make sense for Thor to seek out Dr. Strange here because Dr. Strange is an expert in blah, blah, blah. Or it would make sense for them to reference the larger universe because these things also exist, and it would be strange if they didn't reference the larger universe. But a lot of it is just comes down to did we really need to see dr strange there did we really or is it just kind of fan servicey stuff and uh there's a fine line there treading the line between is this necessary for the story or are we just like kind of flexing our big marvel deck here
0: yeah. <laughs> awkward cock shot um gratuitous gratuitous my slim brown friend so i want to talk about the the opening credit scene because you made reference to it in the um I don't know if, if it was fan footage. I, I did read on the history a little bit of this. It was some test footage that was put together and then got shot down by Fox, and then somebody leaked it. Reynolds apparently didn't take credit for leaking it, but he did say did that die. the leak made this movie actually happen. Yeah. But that opening scene where they have the you know the titles mixed in with this um, expansive 3D CGI, like um, frozen moment in time in this car crash, fight is pretty awesome with the hats, the overpaid jerk, the British villain, the hot chick, you know, made by a bunch of dummies, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. really enjoyed that. It was pretty funny. Oh, good.
1: Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it because usually it seems our senses of humor and what we enjoy is like slipping more and more apart as we get older. So I'm glad that you also enjoyed that. Yeah, I thought it was great. I, it was fairly unique for the uh, any kind of a movie to go out and just make fun of the entire production team. So that was good. And then, you know, the whole time, Reynolds is just totally tongue-in-cheek about it. So this is just all super, super true to the character. If you know the Deadpool character at all, he's all about just making jokes about every single thing, constantly referencing himself, the wider world, any kind of inconsistencies the fans might break up, you know, might make up or discover or figure out. He'll be right on top of it saying it's dumb and stupid or, you know it was just a very true to the character movie that you just was a breath of fresh air, honestly, in terms of what it was. Now it was also a fairly standard plot wise, a fairly standard like origin story. It wasn't doing a whole lot of tricks, which is why I appreciated the, um, you know, the uh, out of sequence storytelling, which was good, which I I enjoyed.
0: Yeah. I think they needed that folded narrative to kind of break up the really dark parts from the, funny parts like because if it had been more linear you go to a pretty dark place for a long time <laughs> right in the middle there
1: yeah where he's getting cancer and they're breaking up and he's leaving her and then there's this extended torture sequences and and then he's just sad sack guy for a long time not having the guts to uh to go after his girl now did that did that um ring true to you because I, I know there's been a fair amount of criticism saying, are you kidding me? Your, your guys love transcended looks. Just just go. Go get her. But they, the movie did try a fair amount to show how horrifying he looked. Like he's walking on the street and everybody makes comments about how terrifying he looks and how painful it must have looked and whatever. And then the, um, the bartender character spends, you know, a good minute <laughs> saying how horrifying he looks.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Uh... T.J. Miller, I think is the guy's name. He he was a good um, comedic partner for those bits.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And I had read that they wrote, you know, a half dozen jokes for each scene and then continued shooting and let them ad-lib a fair amount. And Reynolds would throw in some other, you know, self-deprecating or like fourth wall breaking type stuff. Um, one of them that was totally ad-libbed was when he was visiting the mansion, the X-Mansion, and he says, oh, there's only two of you here? I guess the studio couldn't afford more X-Men or something. <laughs>
1: That's a really strong line too. If that was completely ad-libbed,
0: kudos to Reynolds. Uh, Totally, totally funny stuff. But um, back to your, you know, their love would have transcended that. I I can totally see, I mean, it's not like the strongest storyline, but I could see that being like, oh, he's afraid to approach her again. Um, Because he's also very much like, if I'm going to die from this cancer thing, I don't want her to be there for that. I don't want to put her through that. It reminded me of, in Find Me Guilty, where Jackie didn't want he didn't want his wife there, right, or something like that, like at the trial. And I also just watched um, the Vince Vaughn movie, so The Brawl in Cell Block 99. He does a similar thing where he's going through a court proceeding, and he knows that he's you know, going to get put to prison. So he's like, you know, don't show up for this because I don't want to put you through it.
1: Okay, so there's that. But at no point in the movie do we get the idea that – I believe her name is Vanessa, right? Vanessa? Sounds right. That Vanessa is – you know, shallow or that she is super worried about, you know, she never makes a comment that so-and-so isn't attractive and she couldn't be with an unattractive person, which would have given Reynolds' character that, oh, you know, it's a little hint like, oh, she she's kind of shallow. She wouldn't, whatever.
0: So like some little nugget or foreshadow type thing, like that could be interpreted that way, but then she didn't really mean it that way. So something to...
1: yes. Exactly. drive the
0: plot, might, might further the plot, like they make reference to in the bar scene, which is hilarious. Like, oh, some guy came looking for you. It might further the plot.
1: <laughs> yes. Now, I don't know if T.J. Miller is aware, is his character is also self-aware, I don't know, or if that was just a, a good line that somebody might say otherwise. But um, I don't know. There's just a million, a million little funny lines in this movie. Um, so how much did you laugh at this movie? Because... This ultimately will succeed on whether or not it made you laugh. And when I first watched this movie I was just hysterically crying. Just hysterics. Just there were multiple times where I was laughing out loud, just I had to watch the movie two times just to get all the jokes because I was laughing too hard the first time. So how was it for you? Was this really, really funny? It was pretty funny. I mean what kind of what kind of a scale, of one to ten was how funny was this movie for you?
0: Uh, you know, it, it it is funny, but mostly because of how kind of sarcastic and and as kind of a jerk that Ryan Reynolds is, and I think I was sort of like that a bit more when, in my younger days. Now uh-huh. that I have got kids and I'm a little older, it's it's like okay, I can only handle that for so long. <laughs> like uh, your your
1: younger self would be insufferable to you, is that what you're saying?
0: Oh yes, oh god yes. <laughs> um, and I th- I think hanging out with Deadpool, I'd be like, all right, dude, I can only hang out for like ten minutes. I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fair enough, fair enough.
0: You know, let's talk about some of the moments, if, if you don't mind, if, and I'm not stealing your thunder here, no um, that were like moral dilemmas for me that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, yes. Now, I wrote down, quote, technically this is a murder, and I forget exactly what that's related to, but I think it had to do with the um, the pizza delivery guy, stalker guy, who was delivering a pizza to this one dude's house, and um, Ryan Reynolds was like assaulting, threatening the, the homeowner, but then he was really after the pizza guy.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Do you recall what the technically this is a murder scene, um, what that line was about? Because I, I put three question marks behind it because I'm like, well, is it? Oh, um, it was because he was um, he defended himself against someone else attacking him. Oh, oh, it's the freeway scene. Okay. Freeway scene, yeah, and then he cuts. The shish kebab scene. Yes. He says, technically, this is a murder. No, it was not technically a murder because the guy was coming at you with knives, Right.
1: Um, well, they were defending, they were just driving down the road.
0: Oh, right. Okay, yeah. So he initiated... And he attacked them. Okay.
1: I mean, this is, you know, it gets into this... uh, Rewatching this movie, up until the point at which Ajax reveals that they are a slave, super slave maker, and that he was going to be fitted with a control collar and turned into like a super slave and do the bidding of whoever for whatever purpose. Up to that point... I was full on board with the Deadpool is this horrific murderer guy. Now, Deadpool, in the very beginning of the movie, when he's intimidating the pizza guy, he says, I'm not a hero. I'm a bad guy who intimidates and hurts worse guys for money. So the whole movie, he's saying he's not a hero, which I pretty much fully on board with. He is not a hero. He is like an anti-hero kind of guy who hurts other bad people.
0: It's kind of like well, sort of type. like a DRO, right? He's sort of like a dispute resolution organization. Uh, the Sister Margaret's Bar. Is that what they call it? It's like it's all these mercenary yeah. types, uh-huh. like taking jobs. It's private justice, yep. right?
1: It is private justice. Absolutely right. And not to say that it's necessarily super moral or the things that he does. I mean, the guy, he, you know, threatens with murder, a guy that is, quote, stalking somebody. Now, I don't know. We don't, we're not given the details of what the kid was doing. In fact, even Deadpool says, well, it's just some light stalking. I've done worse back in the day. So, you know, how much, how threatening was it? What exactly did we do? We don't know. But probably being threatened with murder is probably a bit step over the line.
0: Well, the guy's house, he threatened with murder. Yeah. So before it was revealed that it's the pizza guy he's actually after, it looks like he's after the guy who owns the house. And he takes the guy's wallet and he says, well, I'm keeping the wallet because you kind of gave it to me. He gave it to you under duress when he thought you were robbing him and threatening to kill him at gunpoint at gunpoint yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like you were taxing the guy
1: yeah it's like well i'm gonna stick a gun in your face and then you're gonna give me your wallet and then i'm like well i'm gonna keep the wallet because you gave it to me
0: <laughs> it's a totally yeah.
1: statist argument for tax Well, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm actually not after you but you kind of gave it to me so you know i'm gonna keep it
1: yeah i'm just gonna keep it so yeah he, i mean he's he's definitely a flawed moral character in my view now I was then on board, because you know he enters into this voluntary relationship where he's like, okay, you guys can cure me of this cancer, at least you can try, and I'm going to voluntarily go along with it. Up until the point at which Ajax goes, ha-ha, I wasn't really going to turn you into anything. I'm not going to really cure you, or if I do cure you, it's fine, whatever. But once I do cure you, you're going to be a super slave. Now, of course, at that point, then I'm fully on board with what Deadpool does to escape, but I don't know about the whole freeway scene and the murder is Deadpool, the aggressor there.
0: Well, it's payback at that point. I mean, because of the folded narrative, it's, it's hard to place it in your head, but this is after all this stuff has been revealed to him and he worked his way through the gang, killing a bunch of people, getting information to find out where um, Ajax was and I guess which highway he was going to be driving on at that particular moment. (laughs) And he takes
1: a cab
0: cab to get there and and steals the cab fare, by the way. (laughs) Yes, he does. How about a high five?
1: <laughs> <laughs> How about a crisp high five? That that'll do it, right? But um, your time and labor—that's all that's worth.
0: Yeah. So I want to say that that he was going after Ajax, who had wronged him very much, so and left him for dead. You know, attempted to murder him, and he couldn't go to the cops. Uh, he was a mercenary type anyway, and. He now has now he's been imbued with superpowers. So but also he did not intend to kill Ajax because Ajax had been whispering sweet nothings into his ear every time he was in um, mortal danger where he would say, I'm the only one who can cure you and make you look not like an ugly, like overcooked hot dog.
1: Yes. So he wasn't going to kill Ajax, but he was going to kill everybody else that was, you know, hanging out with Ajax that was working for Ajax
0: in a defensive capacity or. Security detail type capacity. So I don't know, they were like hired on to defend him and be shot or stabbed or whatever kebobbed for him. I don't know. It's, it's, it is a little bit of a conundrum figuring out exactly, but I, I do feel like Deadpool had every, every reason to go after Ajax, right? I would
1: say that he has some reason to go after Ajax. I mean, one, he could go after them in defense of the others, of all these people that are being turned into these super slaves. But he didn't. He didn't care about that. He could have, but he didn't. But two, he could have wanted some justice, yeah, for the uh, act of aggression that uh, Ajax committed against him. They had a contract that, that was under certain terms, I assume. We're not given the details of that contract when he volunteers to you know, be a part of this program. You know, I assume he's told something.
0: Did Problem you get the? Um, did you catch the? Uh, oh, this is a private facility, and it was like implying that it's more evil.
1: Yeah, for sure. This is a private facility. We make like super slaves here, because that's what people do in private facilities.
0: Too. Yeah, he says government
1: work, facilities, they're uh, they're immune from that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, this is exactly what um, I, I wrote down the quote. This workshop is not a government program. It's a private institution that turns reclamation projects like yourself into men of extraordinary abilities. And then, and then he says, you're going to leave me here with less angry Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
0: a good joke. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, yeah, they, they do demon. They, they, they almost like say, oh, if it were a government facility, this would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, almost. Because it's almost. private, it's evil.
1: Yeah, they make, they make... Well, and then also Ajax is also kind of demonized as this arms sell, dealer, right? Because he's dealing arms to some other people. And he, it made, it's kind of made understood that either he's selling arms to both sides or just one side. We're not sure. But we're essentially told that he's evil because he's selling weapons. And, you know, I have my issues with the military-industrial complex. Don't get me wrong. But if you're trying to make the argument that weapons themselves are immoral and that selling them is immoral, then I have serious issue with that because everybody has a right to self-defense. I don't care who you are, and you have a right to be armed as well. So,
0: Yeah, no and there's actually back. a really great um, scene in the bar when Ajax and Angel Dust go in there seeking out um, Wade, Wade – what's his last name? Wilson. Wade Wilson, and they threaten the bartender – TJ, yeah, AJ, AJ. Uh, yeah, whatever. And and everyone in the bar pulls their piece and is like, "No, yep. you're not going to fucking do that." <laughs> yep. yep. I mean, that's, that's right. like that's like... how you defend shit, right there. You know.
1: That's right. Somebody's acting the fool, and there's like a whole bunch of guns get shoved in their face. Like, no, you're not doing that, buddy. Not here. Take your shit elsewhere. Yeah, it's a kind of a mixed message, right? Because this is a movie where guns save people, act defensively are good, but then they're also evil when Ajax does them but then they're good again when they're in Deadpool's hands. It's, uh, you know, it's a real mixed message.
0: Oh, and speaking of the budget, um, you know the scene where he's going to the helicarrier and he forgot his bag of weapons in the car, in the cab? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did that because they didn't have enough budget money to do a big shootout at the end.
1: Nice. I love it. I love it. Make a fun of it. Make a joke of it. Now, when he's obviously, when Ajax kidnaps Vanessa, I'm fully on board with Deadpool you know, rescuing her. Fully on board with that. By whatever means necessary. Um let's see what else what else I was gonna say. Oh, um what about what about um the little you know subplot with Dopinder and Bantu and how Wade is championing on him kidnapping Bantu and killing him.
0: Yeah, he's sort of doing the um <laughs> No, you should never do anything bad but really kill him. But don't do this, but really do it. That kind of a thing. It reminded me of, uh, you know, how Hillary Clinton got caught saying, oh, well, I have a public thing I can say and then a p- private thing I can say, like in paid for speaking engagements. You know, it was pretty Yeah, funny. the one
1: time she was on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yeah, so I, I, he, I thought him advocating that, that he actually do this like incredibly violent thing to get back, um, whatever, Gita, uh, Gita. Was, was bad advice. Very bad advice.
1: Yes, bad advice. Very deplorable advice from Mr. Poole. Um, kind of in line with the character, but yeah, uh, can't, can't, can't support him on that with my, my principles.
0: All right, so one thing I wanted to bring up was, remember when he's like, um, Ajax escapes on the highway, and then he gets pissed off at Colossus, Deadpool does. Uh-huh. So they do this, it's just a flesh wound scene, the Monty Python thing, where he yep. punches Colossus, breaks his hand, punches him again, breaks his hand, spin kicks him, breaks his ankle, and then gets handcuffed to Colossus and cuts his own hand off. Uh-huh. I thought that was a pretty stellar nod to the uh, to the the Black Knight. I think it's the Black Knight, is that right? The Knights uh-huh. of Me?
1: Yep, the Black Knight. Uh-huh. It's just but a flesh wound. <laughs> all all dinosaurs fear the mighty T-Rex
0: <laughs> Help, I'm being repressed
1: <laughs> uh, Yeah man, uh, there's all kinds of great great stuff in this movie And I'm hoping that Deadpool 2 carries on and carries forth um, By all accounts, it's uh, as funny as the original um, Now the, the same director isn't with us um, So I don't know how this new director is going to do But we'll see man, I'm excited
0: Yeah, now that movie is coming out, like, right now, or it just came out, or it's about to come out, hence why we're doing this one now. LastNighter.com slash 20, everyone. Um, So, you know, we're trying to get that wave, that viral, you know, astroturfed viral uh, campaign stuff. Maybe we'll show up higher on search results, perhaps. You never know. Um, I did want to throw out a couple of, like, throwaway lines at you. Not to say the word throw too many times, but um, I like when he says Fat Gandalf when he tells that one bar. Bar patron to you know back the fuck off, and then he says uh-huh. another throwaway line like living to 102 and then dying like Detroit,
1: like <laughs> the city of Detroit. Yep.
0: <laughs> and I just want to mention that the reason Detroit is dying is because of the heavy hand of government. They have the highest per capita or per student budget for school and the lowest test results. They've had. Now I don't want to sound like super partisan or anything, but they've had do-gooder types corrupt do-gooder types in the positions of power in the city government and in the County for the last 50 years. And it has fallen to shit and they've tried to do all of the programs that all the progressives and all of the left wingers and Seattle's trying to do right now, um, put into place. And that is why Detroit died. Um, And, you know, he just makes mention of it, but I just thought that it'd be like an interesting point. Um, A guy that we listen to, Stefan Molyneux, has a a, uh, YouTube video about Detroit that's worth watching, worth checking out. He goes through all the stats and some of the reasons behind it. But do you have any comment to that before we move on?
1: I just wish I knew more about it. I mean, I know that these city councils do everything they can to appease like the progressive mentality of we must do more. We must always do more. We almost always need more resources to do more when they don't realize that their own policies are failed and flawed from the get-go. And, and it's always taking a new government-flawed policy to fix the old government-flawed policies that just create more and more and more and more problems, and you just dig yourself deeper and deeper into a hole. I mean, Seattle is on the verge of kicking out yet another giant corporation that they kind of grew up in it's Womb. I mean, we're talking about Amazon and maybe even Starbucks. Who knows? But uh, they famously essentially kicked out Boeing back in the day. And who knows what will happen now, um, now that they've instituted this $275-a-head tax on corporations that make, I think, $20 million or more a year.
0: Yeah, what a compromise um, from zero tax like that to, oh, we want to do 550 Oh, let's just do 275
1: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, That's and they did it that way so that they could get the uh, unanimous six votes required that, so that the mayor couldn't veto it.
0: Right, and all of these things are just foot in the door anyway. Like, as soon as that tax is in place, guess what? It's going to go up, right? That's what's going to happen. Oh, yeah, there's,
1: no, there's nothing so temporary or so permanent as a temporary government uh, action. It's, um, it's only the beginning, and it's so anti-business that I, I'm actively rooting for Amazon – to grow some balls, and hopefully it'll make financial sense for them to just bail. And I can't wait to hear the caterwauling and the screaming and the wailing of how evil Amazon is for leaving. It seems like no matter what successful people do, whether they provide value for people or they leave, they're always doing something evil. (laughs) Like you complain endlessly when they're there, and then when they've had enough and they leave, then you complain that they leave. You cannot win... You cannot win, Daniel.
0: Oh, I know. Yeah. And it's really hard to be successful, by the way. And that is why. All right. I don't want to rant, but I I will. Rant. That is why so many people who advocate for these types of policies, they're afraid of what would happen to them in a free market because they don't have skills and they don't have certain things that they think would be successful in that type of environment. So then they demonize people who are su- successful and providing value to others and they demand more from them. In fact, the city council member who was promoting all of this nonsense was saying that Amazon was being the aggressor and the violent bully by not continuing the construction of their, you know, some of their buildings downtown under threat of, you know, this millions of dollars of additional tax that would have to be extorted from them. They were saying that Amazon was doing the extortion. It's crazy. It's so ridiculous and For anyone to to advocate for these types of things, you just know that they've never tried to run a business. They've never been in a position to where they've had to deal with all these regulations and taxes and other uh, impediments to providing value to their fellow man. I myself am trying to be an Amazon FBA seller and I've got an LLC and a sales uh, uh, reseller certificate and some training and all these things and, and you guys can learn about that at blackand.gold uh, FBA if you want to learn about the training that I'm doing but um, it is incredibly difficult all the bureaucratic hoops and bullshit you have to go through and it's just it, it be, it's a clear demarcation in who has experienced having to deal with it on the receiving end and those who have no fucking clue and yet are advocating for bullshit.
1: Yeah it is 1984 come to life when a group of people Threaten to rob another person who is doing something, building a building. And then that person goes, oh, so if I, I'm going to be robbed if I stay here. So I'm going to stop building this building and then I'm going to leave. And then the people that are about to rob him go, you're just being a bully. You're just some kind of thug bully. Who doesn't want to give me your money? <laughs> what? what upside down world do we live in where this kind of nonsense not only gets said one time, but it gets repeated and people hear it and it makes sense to them, and then they repeat it. There were um, photographs taken at these town hall events by people holding up signs saying Jeff Bezos is a bully. Multiple people had these signs. These are like printed out and like made, like manufactured, not just like one crazy person made a sign. We're talking like this is an idea that took hold in the root of people's minds.
0: There's a budget for this.
1: There is a budget. What kind of four-year-old listens to this and goes, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I hate to be that pedantic asshole who just, like, thinks other people that are agree different, think different things than him is, are stupid. But really, what kind of backwards-ass mental gymnastics do you have to do to see the person being extorted as the bully? Like the kid getting robbed of his lunch money is the bully thug because he doesn't want to give the big guy who's demanding his money his lunch money like there's a bully in school i know i'm just belaboring kicking this dead horse but there's a bully in school and he sees this little kid and he's like give me your lunch money and the kid's like no i'm just going to leave and the kids and the bully's like you're just being a bully leaving without giving me your money what what a side-down kind of world do we live in daniel all
0: right i think it's going to take maximum maximum effort on our part to get back to the movie here (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, it's just so frustrating. So frustrating.
0: Oh, uh, yes. I, don't, I, don't, I agree. I agree. And it's a 200-pound sack of assholes named Francis or progressives, huh. uh, socialist types who just want to ruin it for everybody, man. It's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. It's, it's hard enough to start a business with all the entrenched business who g- go to government to try and enact regulations to prevent competition. And that's something that I'm also dealing with currently right now. Oh, do tell. Oh, well, you know, we've been trying to start this um, food business. But in order to do any kind of food preparation, you have to have your kitchen approved, and it needs to meet certain regulations, or you need to prepare all your food in an officially approved kitchen that has to have, you know, three sinks and has to have uh, 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 a faucet with, you know, a separate faucet with certain, you know, uh, sewage facilities, and then another sink for the mop and all that kind of stuff. There's just all sorts of regulations. All you're trying to do is, to say, make some tacos and then take them to a place and sell some tacos. You can't just do that in this country. There's all these entrenched regulations where you have to be all, you know, all these approved facilities that, you know, of course, because if you were to actually make food for the public in the same kitchen that you make your own food in, you'd probably just, you know, murder everybody that you try to make food for. Because, you know, you're constantly killing yourself when you're making the food in that exact same kitchen. Like you're just murdering your family right? It makes sense. So we're having to deal with that, so it might not even happen. It just might not even be worth it, because it's either build an entire kitchen with three sinks and all these other regulations, or rent out a kitchen to do the prep and then maintain the food at certain temperatures while you transport it to the place of sale. So not only have to you have to buy the food, take it to this kitchen, and then You have to either sell it the exact same day or, you know, store it in a certain way so that it can then be brought over. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, but there are all kinds of regulations that just prevent competition, and it's just the nature of, you know, entrenched corporations bending the ear of government saying, well, you know what safe is? Safe is the way we do things, and anybody who wants to compete with us needs to do it the exact same way, with the same cost even though we're able to absorb those costs because, well, one, we've already spent those costs. And we don't want to actually have to compete against any kind of new competition. So let's just do it this way because this is the SAFE approved way. It's you know, uh, it sounds
0: to me like, like a workshop that makes super slaves, this bureaucratic, <laughs> bureaucratic workshop here.
1: Anyway, I know we're getting away from the movie. Let's get back to the movie.
0: All right. So I have a weird question. <clears throat> so this, this mutation can heal injury and cancer, but not skin cells or not non-disfigured skin cells. But when he has the baby hand, it looks pretty, uh-huh. you know, overcooked sausage free. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, kind of I'm a little bit confused on that because <laughs> he looks like a burn victim and he's all self-conscious. But it seems like his healing powers would, you know, maybe take care of that. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, if you're thinking too hard about the Deadpool, the science behind the Deadpool character, I are you're, you're doing it wrong. Uh, especially if you're thinking about any kind of superhero character, as you know, if you think about it too scientifically, there's just no way. Like, you know, where does where does all the mass come from for the Tony Stark for all the energy in the Iron Man suit? There's just there's just not enough not enough mass there for there to be all that energy there. There's uh, Thor. You know, how does he have so much strength in such a tiny little body? Or even the Hulk. Uh, he couldn't. You can supposedly bench press like a hundred tons. It's it's, it's kind of hilarious, but um, yeah, but it's
0: comic. so you can do that.
1: Yeah, because comic books, Daniel. So you're right. I mean, what if he if he were to cut him if you were to cut him in half, would each side regrow
0: like? Yeah, that, was, that was Ajax's thing. Like, I'm going to cut him in so many pieces that there's nothing to regrow.
1: Or his parts will have to regrow him. And then Deadpool was like, Yeah, it's good. That's a good line. <laughs> good line. They really was a good one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Anyway, I thought that was weird, and and then you you'd made mention of of the comments being made by people on the street about how disfigured he was and how gross he was looking. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that that would actually happen. I don't know, maybe maybe I'm living in some fantasy land here, but I I, I think that most people don't say shit to, to people who you know have some kind of disfigurement. I don't know.
1: One hundred percent. The only people who would say anything would be children, and then the mothers would be like, "Oh, that's not a nice thing to say. You need to apologize," or "Just a
0: tush." let's go 100% sure some assholes out there for sure. I mean, you know, they're everywhere, but yeah, maybe seemed...
1: somebody's drunk and it would be like, Oh my God, you're ugly. But that just never happens. People are way too polite, not too polite, but you know, they're polite and their understanding of the horror thing. Like even one lady, I think in the movie was like, Oh, that looks like it was really painful. So, you know, I, I... I think that they're, you know, Wade Wilson and the Vanessa character, their relationship was way too strong. They were it was clearly depicted them as being totally in love with each other and having a connection beyond just the physical. And that him getting ugly all of a sudden would not have mattered. And it clearly it didn't because at the very end of the movie she takes like 30 seconds to get over how he looks. So, you know, but, you know, if you need a plot device go ahead, whatever you need. <laughs> I'm okay with it. It's not the best thing in the world. It's not the greatest thing ever. It's not the best plot device ever. But if if that is what can get me a Deadpool movie, if you have to have that plot device in order to get me a really funny Deadpool movie, I'll take it every time.
0: Yeah, and, and, and that probably explains why the uh, the people on the street were saying those things. It was to play up that, you know, he's reluctant to go and approach her. Because yeah, of his, like his,
1: his self-doubt. Right, exactly. Play up his self-doubt so that he actually, we can kind of at least believe it a little bit enough for the movie because in reality we'd be like who cares i mean sure at least go check it out i mean yes it would hurt but it it hurt way more if she like hooked up with some other guy and you're still sitting there stalking her how painful would that be
0: (laughs) yeah then Uh, then the next wade wilson's gonna like approach you (laughs) delivering pizza and be like all right you need to stop chasing her around (laughs) (laughs) right 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 (laughs) hey
1: hey california raisin you need to get out of here
0: you <laughs> look like an avocado I had sex with an older avocado and had avocado babies or something. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Another nod to a, to a, to another film I thought was pretty funny was the Austin Powers steamroller scene replayed with the zamboni, where he's like super far away from the guy and he's like, "You're gonna get killed by a zamboni. This is going super slow."
1: Yeah, that was actually the um, the Force Awakens scene,
0: the entire mm.
1: movie recreated in zamboni form. There's like a super slow-motion chase of the Empire chasing the Rebels.
0: You mean Jedi? Last Jedi? Yes. Man,
1: I just said the wrong thing. Yep, you're right. Last Jedi. Complete plot of the Last Jedi. In Zamboni form. Yeah, good.
0: And probably better and over in like a a montage.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's better. Plus, it's got the team head kicks on going. Baller.
0: Oh, man. So there's another thing that I thought was hilarious right after that, where it's still in the montage, and he's like fighting some girls, some women, and he's like... (laughs) Is it sexist to hit you or is it sexist to not hit you? Because if I don't hit you, then I'm treating you different because you're a woman. But if I hit you, then I'm, you know, some kind of, you know, I'm picking on a woman or whatever. I thought that was a pretty, pretty funny SJW nod. Oh, health, yes.
1: Absolutely, man. Yeah, that is the, the, the SJW dilemma, right? That's the progressive dilemma. Do I, do I protect this woman? Do I white knight for this woman? Or do I recognize that she is a full and complete human being and is capable of fighting her own battles? What do I do?
0: It's good stuff. It takes a maximum effort to figure that one out. Uh, another oh, yeah. thing I, I liked was the IKEA furniture stuff with the blind woman. A, a, Did you? A, a, Al. Al is her name? Yeah. Where they're saying, what's the fuzul or the Heikenberger or whatever, you know, the names are. <laughs> I mean, everyone who's ever built IKEA furniture knows knows what that's all about. And so they're like, they're they're playing to that sub-genre audience you know the the people who've experienced IKEA furniture. I, I just love it. It's great.
1: Awesome. I'm glad this is hitting hitting hard on you. Um, I appreciated Al's love of cocaine
0: <laughs> <laughs> and um, his joke about it. <laughs> All right, there's there's 150 pounds of cocaine hidden in here, but also the cure to blindness. Yep. <laughs>
1: good luck. <laughs> so good. Hashtag drive by. Oh
0: yeah. Oh, such there's a, just, such a dick.
1: <laughs> there's just so many good good little throwaway lines. That's oh, it's speak- just, so it's dense with jokes. It's just a dense movie.
0: So speaking speaking of Dick, um, when he was in, doing the nude scenes of him being a California raisin, he did have a, a prosthetic dick that was also done up like that. Though you don't see it in the film, but they did it to make it more real or more authentic. <laughs> nice,
1: <laughs> nice for when he was actually filming those scenes and for the, the cast and everything.
0: Good yeah, stuff. but I they had to you know shoot ridiculous. it carefully to like not you know display too much. Because it was R-rated, but they didn't want to go too far, I suppose.
1: You can't uh, actually show Cox.
0: Speaking of going too far, what do you think of Stan Lee doing a cameo as a strip club DJ? I thought that was pretty awesome.
1: Oh, yeah. Dude, any, anytime they can show me Stan Lee in a cameo that they haven't shown me before, I enjoy it. I mean, this wasn't my favorite Stanley cameo, but he's always a highlight of the movie. Not necessarily like a highlight of the movie, but you know what I mean? Like Every time you see him, you're like, hey, I appreciate that. So, yeah, and then this, this movie squeezing him in as a strip, jo- strip club DJ was
0: uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, and that dude's like 100 now. It's it's amazing that he's still out kicking. And, and he had a um Stan Lee's like amazing people or marvelous people or something, like it's a Netflix show or something. And I think you and I watched where there was a guy who could um, accurately shoot a revolver and like pop all these balloons at like 30 feet in 2.3 seconds um, from his hip. Do you remember that? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, he worked with, it wasn't too long ago, it was maybe like 10 years ago, and yeah, he worked with a crew of people, made a TV show with, showing all kinds of like, kind of Guinness World Recordy type people, and yeah, that, that Revolver guy, pretty damn amazing, pretty damn amazing.
0: All right, But so, yeah, Stan Lee
1: is a, he's a legend, man, what do you want? I mean, he's getting, he's over 90, he's almost 100, and you know, they're still kind of, you know, using him for different stuff. I heard that they, I don't know if this is true or not, don't take my word for it, but I heard that they went in and they recorded a whole bunch of him doing different cameos so they could kind of put him in future movies when he, after he dies. So that'll, I think, I think that's totally in character and I totally support that. Um, There has been some talk lately of abuse, of him being abused by people and kind of exploited, like, you know, wheeling him out to sign autographs and stuff for a bunch of money and like he doesn't want to be there and stuff like that. And hopefully, that not hopefully that stuff's really you know overblown and not really happening. I don't know, but
0: Stanley is a beloved
1: character in the comic book world, and I can't help but root for the guy.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a good plan to. I mean, they they have the next you know 10 years of movies mapped out, so they know the general like okay we're gonna do this X Men movie, this Avengers movie, this Iron Man, this Hulk, this whatever. So they they can record him. I mean, you you saw in Last Jedi where they plugged in young Leia. Or was that in uh, Force Awakens? There was one where they young took... Oh, Leia, young they Leia. Young Leia
1: was in... She was in... No, she was in that um, Rogue One.
0: Oh, that's right. And then in um, Blade Runner 2049, they recreated Sean Young. Young, Young, Sean Young for Blade Ooh, Runner.
1: Who's Young Chung 1?
0: Sean Young. She was the... Uh, oh, what's her bucket? Oh, the woman he loves? Yeah, the love interest.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rebecca or something? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, we did that movie. I, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, apparently we didn't do a very good job in that movie. That's the one movie that... A lot of the T.W.E. kind of, like, shit on us for.
0: Yeah, and and we even did a Boy's Night Out on it. But, I mean, we got so much going on, you know. (laughs) Way goes. Can't win them all, people. So, speaking of plot holes... Uh Uh-oh. What is the deal with them kidnapping his girlfriend to lure him? Because I just got to say, but why? Deadpool's been looking for them for two or three years. So it makes no sense. Yeah,
1: other than they think it's a trap and then they need, you know... Some way to kill him because he really is super duper 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 hard to kill. I mean, this is a character who's had his head cut off multiple times. He's been cut into multiple pieces in the comic books just over and over and over and over again, and he always regrows. So uh, if you're really trying to kill him, you probably need some sort of a plan. I don't know exactly what his plan was because all he really had was a bunch of Hydra agents, and I really appreciated the appearance of Hydra Bob. Oh, yeah. You really, you oh, hey, really get, man.
0: How you been? Oh, yeah, yeah. How <laughs> oh, the kids? Yeah, Hydra Bob. still making that Hydra, casserole? <laughs> yeah, Hydra
1: Bob is apparently, you know, goes back quite a ways in the comic books. So him appearing in the in the movie was pretty fun. Um, uh, so, yeah, we don't know what exactly Ajax's plan was, maybe to get Wade back in the, the chamber, the hyperbaric chamber thing. Um, and hyperbaric, I understand, is the wrong word. <laughs> but I don't know what else you would call it, the torture chamber thing um or maybe just like explode him but we we don't really see that we don't really get to see what ajax's plan was all we see are that his his aircraft carrier is surrounded by soldiers and that he's got his girlfriend kind of like tied up like donkey kong style like at the top of the top <laughs> of the, the ladder and then wade shows up with colossus and negasonic and there's a fight so yeah, I, I guess you know to your point, you're right. Um, it would have made more sense if there, if Ajax actually did have some sort of trap that Wade would then fall into, and then would have to escape. That would make way more sense for the story of the show, the, the movie, or he's, he's rescued by Vanessa or Negasonic or Colossus or Dopinder or somebody.
0: Right. Yeah. It needed something else right there because it felt like that third act was just, all right, we're just going to do a bunch of action but no real reason. And to that end, I want to ask you about the angel versus Colossus because it seemed like their relative abilities to each other, like how strong they were in relation to each other kept fluctuating because initially angels like throwing around Colossus like he's nothing. And then the next moment Colossus is able to fight back and then Angel Angel Dust goes back to being so overpowering. It, it, it didn't make sense to me. I was like, oh, who's who's stronger? And, you know, do you, do, you mm-hmm. do you get what I'm saying here?
1: I get what you're saying. I could say, I'm not going to explain it away by saying movie, fight. and You can't just have one character destroy the other one. Um, but I will say that I like the idea of two superpowered characters just fighting. Because... It happens in comic books all the time, and it doesn't happen so much in movies, where you're dealing with characters that can punch you know, mountains. Like Hulk could like, pick up like, one of the pyramids of Giza. You're talking about a character that if he hits you, you would go flying literally miles. So if two of those characters were fighting each other, you would have one of them land a punch and the other one would just fly for a few miles. And then they'd come back together, <laughs> and then they'd, one of them would land another blow, and the other one would fly a couple of miles. It would really be kind of like two balls kind of bouncing off each other.
0: Well, this is like Man of Steel, which we talked about um, last year, and we didn't like it in that. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're like, what's the fucking point? I
1: don't remember remember exactly.
0: They destroyed the whole... you know, metropolis city throwing each other around through buildings and whatnot. Well, yeah. Well,
1: I don't like it when you're trying, well, yeah, for sure. Superman trying to defend the city and he's just throwing Zod through buildings, knowing that he's going to do zero damage to Zod, but a ton of damage to the building, potentially full of people. Yeah, absolutely. That's garbage. But I do, enjoy, I do appreciate the fact that it, these are two supremely, intensely strong people, and when you punch a guy, he doesn't just fall to the ground two feet away. He flies like miles, because you are so super strong. So that's my little bit on that, although uh, I enjoyed the fight. I want to say that this is easily my favorite rendition of Colossus. Not even close. There are X-Men movies in the past where Colossus kind of appears for maybe a brief second or two, and he's just given nothing. He doesn't have an accent. He's, like, small. This is, like, the large, big colossus guy who's, like, a big iron giant dude.
0: From the comics.
1: From the comics. And he's, like, a gentle giant. He likes art. He, you know, he's just a... He doesn't want to be a big fighter warrior guy, but he does appreciate being a hero when he gets a chance to do that kind of stuff.
0: And he's kind of a bitch.
1: Kind of a... How dare you? How dare you? (laughs) Unbelievable. He was
0: so annoying. He's like, wait... Join us on the good side. Spare your enemy. Be the hero you want to be. It's only the very few moments in your life where you actually differentiate yourself as look, a hero. Listen,
1: hang on. Look, hang on. <laughs> yes, Colossus is being a bit of a child. He's not really realizing the life that Wade Wilson has lived and the life, that you know, who Wade Wilson is as a character. He's like living in some kind of fantasy land where all he has to do is say some the right words, and all of a sudden Wade Wilson is going to turn around and be a good person. Yes, I agree. He's completely naive and idealistic. But as an X-Man, as Colossus, he was aces. Aces. Now, what he's given to do in this movie, not the greatest. Not the greatest, like you said. He's a bit naive, whatever. But as far as representation in terms of, is this the best representation of this character of all time? By far, like leaps and bounds. This is like when Hulk appeared in the first Avengers movie. Just leaps and bounds better than any Hulk before him. And then in Spider-Man and Civil War, just leaps and bounds better than any Spider-Man before.
0: Anyway. anyway, All right. Well, Well, let's wrap this up. That's good enough. Yes. Let's wrap this one up. So overall, I did enjoy this movie and, um, let's talk about Tears Jerk just for a moment and then we'll do our final summary and review. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how many Tears got jerked out of you, sir?
1: Um, well, the, it all, you know, revolves around the relationship with Vanessa and assuming that's her name. (laughs) Um, and there's a, some bits in the beginning of their relationship where the writing is a bit too perfect. It's a bit too sharp and on the nose, and it's not quite acted quite naturally.
0: Oh, the outdoing so, each other for how shitty their childhoods were?
1: That's part of it. But a, a lot of those scenes where they're interacting and talking to each other, and it's just a little bit too sharp and funny and witty. And it's almost like these two characters are just were written down by some writer perfectly beforehand and now they're just saying their lines robotically almost. I'm not saying that they're bad actors. I'm just saying that, for me, their relationship was just a little bit too much perfect. Now, of course, they didn't have a whole lot of time to establish this romance, so if you're going to do that, I, I think they did a pretty good job. Now, if you believe and you're on board with the romance, then you get some tears jerked, I think, at the end.
0: It was She's a Valentine's mad movie. At him.
1: It was a Valentine's movie. It was a romance movie. Yeah, I think the, I got some tears jerked, At the end, when she's like upset at him for leaving, she's like, you know, you left me. Why did you do that? You're an asshole. How could you? Um, So that, yeah, I mean, I hate to give it a number value. I'm just going to say that there was some emotional component that held the story together for me. I'm not going to say it's like the most emotional movie ever, but there was enough of it there for me.
0: All right, so it's not EC10. It's not like equilibrium style band but there's enough there to like keep the story moving.
1: <laughs> for me, yeah, absolutely. it worked. The romance worked enough for me so that I believed it, or at least I went along for the ride, when I could understand her emotional feelings of betrayal, and I was on board with that. Uh, it's not like I just like, poo-pooed and like, this is all dumb. So I was on board.
0: Okay, yeah, I'll agree with you. It, it, it was just enough there to keep the story going and enough to make Wade not feel like he could approach her because like I, I did, I did like the, I don't want to put you through what I'm going to go through that. Yeah. 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 You, you know, there's tickets to the shit show and I don't want you redeeming it or whatever. Um, because that, that would be a very, very difficult thing. And especially if you care so much about that person, you don't want to put them through that, but reversely or same, you know, alternate side of that coin, that person would definitely want to be there for you. Like in that type yeah. of relationship.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I thought he was, stealing away her ability to, you know, help him through whatever he's going through. You're kind of like robbing her of that experience that you two would be sharing together. And um, I can see both sides of it, but I would fall on the Vanessa side of how dare you? How dare you think so little of me that I wouldn't want to be there for you for this? Because I'm fully on board with this relationship. I'm so in love. I want to be a part of everything you do. And we are a team in this, and how dare you break up the team?
0: Right, and, and for him to not even bring up this offer of being cured when before he knew it was deceitful, um, mm-hmm. I, I find that sort of fuzzy, right? Because like if he's willing to try anything and there was a deleted scene where he had gone to Nepal and gone to the Philippines and gone to Mexico, you'd think that he might mention, hey, there's this other thing.:
1: <laughs> Yeah, Vanessa, hey, there's this other thing. It's a, it's a one in a million, but I'm going to go for it because you know us, and you know life and reasons. And I think she would be totally on board. You know, why not? Of course. And I'm gonna be there with you and I'm gonna be there when you get out of it and you know, no matter what happens. And if he comes out looking like a desiccated raisin, then you'd be like, Yeah, but you're alive. That's that's what's important. So Yeah, but you know, you gotta have a movie and you gotta, move you gotta the have plot. the character you gotta move the plot along and you gotta have the, the main character make mistakes and you gotta have him learn from those mistakes. So you know, it's fine to, you know, Monday morning quarterback, you know, the decisions and say that, you know, that was dumb. But ultimately, we do want a flawed main character. We do want him to make mistakes. We want him to learn from those mistakes. We want him to grow, and we want to be along for the ride.
0: And that's you gotta funny. have a story.
1: You do. You kind of have to have a story. It's weird, but it's a thing.
0: Yeah. So before we get into the final summary and review, um, tell me how excited you are about Deadpool 2. When do you expect to see it? And do you have any, um, I don't know, thoughts on it uh, before you see it?
1: So I was excited. Uh, my, main, my favorite Marvel villain character is this big, dumb, bruiser character named Juggernaut. And he fights Deadpool. He's fought the X-Men over the years. He's this big, unstoppable dude that wears this big armor and helmet that prevents against psionic attacks. And he got his powers from touching this gem, the ruby bands of Scytherac. And um, it was teased in one of the uh, Deadpool 2 promos. He's doing this Bob Ross imitation, and he's painting this you know, this scene, and then he paints this like big red blob character thing. And it's like, oh, is there a big red blob monster villain that you're going to be fighting, like Juggernaut? So I haven't, I haven't um, heard any of the buzz. I know Cable's in the movie, another Rob Liefeld character, and Domino and um, all the, uh, a lot of the X-Force Shatterstars in it, a lot of the X-Force characters. Um, but I, don't, I haven't heard anything about Juggernaut being in it or not. So I don't know. I, and I don't really know what the plot is. I don't know... I mean, obviously, if Cable's in it, he's coming back from the future. If anybody doesn't know, Cable is Nathan Summers, who is the child of Scott Summers, who has... who has... Um, well, and Jean Grey, Scott Summers and Jean Grey, from the future...
0: Cyclops and Phoenix, right?
1: Yeah, Cyclops and Phoenix, he has telekinetic abilities, super strong telekinetic abilities, but he's infected by the techno-organic virus, and his his psionic abilities are always fighting it. So if he were to ever stop fighting it, his body would become this, you know, Terminator character, like fully metal machine type thing. So he's constantly keeping that in check. So it's preventing him from really having any kind of strong psionic abilities,
0: so he's kind of an interesting character,
1: and uh, so I am looking forward to that. Um, Josh Brolin is pretty good for the most part. He's really killing it in terms of the Marvel comics. I mean, he's Cable, and he's also Thanos, and he was Jonah Hex, and not that Jonah Hex was any good, but, I mean, it's kind of weird to have him in Cable and Thanos,
0: but whatever. Yeah, he's, he's a guy who can blend into uh, another role very different <laughs> from some of the other actors we were talking about earlier, like Reynolds. Damon and even Vince Vaughn. Like, oh, those yeah. three are, are who they are, no matter what movie. Absolutely. But yeah, so I'm, I'm
1: looking forward to the movie. I don't necessarily have immediate plans to go see it, um, but I would like to for sure. I mean, unfortunately, the nearest cinema is you know 40 miles away. I might make the trip. I don't know.
0: But I'm looking forward to it.
1: So what about you, Danielson?
0: Well, I don't, I don't plan to see it anytime soon. Um, maybe when it comes out on the Voodoo or the Netflix or the Amazon Prime, uh, but I will check it out. I I did enjoy this one. I do own it on the voodoo and um, it was a fun movie. Watch it with the, with the wife and I'll just do final summary and review here. Uh, This is a movie that it goes almost two hours, but it feels much quicker and shorter because of the folded narrative. Like we talked about earlier. And I think they did that purposefully, perhaps even in, in editing to, Break up the dark and the humor, like the the really dark shit and and the humor stuff. And I think it works in this one. It kind of keeps you guessing, but it still tells you. Uh, it pro- propels the story forward, and then you're you're dropped into present, and then it goes on to the end. Um, so overall, a very very tight and well done movie. Uh, I did enjoy um, all of the you know actors and and and. Uh, and all that, Though I don't have the whole history of of the comic books and even the whole Marvel universe. I've seen a a handful of the Marvel movies, but I I did notice some nods even with that limited exposure. So overall, I'm going to give this a 6.9. Fairly high and fairly uh, tongue-in-cheek or nod to, you know, ha-ha-ha, 69 kind of stuff. Uh, What about you, sir?
1: Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the movie. I was curious about whether or not you're going to like it. Um, You are my age, so I would assume this kind of humor would work on you, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? I mean, you're not quite in the same kind of nerd world than I am. Um, this movie is not perfect. It, it, it is kind of just more of a fun adventure. And it really works whether or not it made you laugh, I think. Um, it made me laugh hysterically. And I appreciated all the little nods. And I got all the little references and in-jokes and all that stuff. So there are different levels of enjoyment you can get with this movie where if you're really balls deep in this kind of stuff, you can get all the references and jokes and all that stuff, and where if you're just like a casual watcher, you're going to get you know, just some of it. So it's really kind of a, you know, a fan service sort of a movie, but I think there's enough of a plot there. There's enough, enough for everybody. That just about anybody can really enjoy it. I wouldn't recommend like The Elderly to go watch something like this, but if you're you know, middle-aged or younger, Um, I think you're going to have a lot of good times at either this movie or the next one. There's a lot of self-referential stuff that you may or may not get, but um, I think anybody can appreciate kind of self-deprecating humor. And uh, I'm going to give this movie, because this is just right in my wheelhouse. This is, really, if you're making a movie for Robert, you're making a movie like this. It's It's not, you know, my favorite movie of all time, but it felt like it very much catered to me in what it was trying to do. You know, it wasn't, it's not like a Steel Magnolias or whatever.
0: Five green it's tomatoes. Like serious, it's not
1: a serious drama where they're really tugging your heartstrings. Um, it's a fun adventure that tried to make you laugh, and it succeeded on all all cylinders for me. So this movie is an 8.8. Really highly recommended for um, if you appreciate, you know, if you've listened to other episodes that we've done and you appreciate my my sensibilities, my my reviews, then I think you'll enjoy this one too.
0: All right, well, well done. Uh, I, I just, it just dawned on me that, that the ratings we've been getting um, really have no like frame of reference, so it's, it's almost meaningless numbers. But, hey, you know, we're here to talk. <laughs> we are the Last Nighters. We're just talking about movies from a uh, very unconventional uh, perspective. So uh, I did want to throw out that uh, we do now have the podcast feed live. It's on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, and etc. type places. Um, you can find the links to those at lastnighters.com. Uh, also, there's a podcast hosting page that's anchor.fm slash lastnighters, so do check that out. And we do also have a YouTube page that um, uh, we could use a few more subscribers to get that custom URL. So if you could head on over that way, mosey on over, either click through from lastnighters.com or do a little search within the YouTube and look for Last Nighters. You'll find us. Uh, give us a subscribe there, and that would definitely help us out. Um, so, with that, I'm going to bid you guys adieu. You can find the show notes and more at lastnighters.com/slash 20. And I will say goodnight from last night.